This is Cole. Learn how to tell stories in logic. My God. <laughs> You're so, this is so hard. And this is Ron. Yes. I hate your guts. Oh, that's a lie. That's a lie right there. Oh, desperation is a stinky cologne. We are the creative team. Oh, my God. I quit. Well, it's the big hole. Did you really just book that? <laughs> Michael Jordan and The Undertaker. Uh, in your face. One of them has 30 years, and the other one is just Michael Jordan. Woo! Welcome back to another exciting episode of... Oh! The Creative Team. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another exciting episode of... The Creative Team. I am your... <laughs> I am your host, Cole Dawson, and with me, as always, my hashtag team partner, Ron Kilborn. Ronald, how the heck are you today on this wonderful Christmas weekend? Oh, my balls are jingling. Merry Christmas, Cole. Did you get a lump of coal in your stocking, or are you going to be spreading out the lumps of coal this year? Yeah, I'm giving out lumps of coal everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere. Under the tree, (laughs) under the mistletoe, in the chimney, up your chimney. You know, it's it's going everywhere this time of year, Uh, just like the cheer in the wrestling business. And uh, before we get to our extreme topic, I just got to, like, really touch on not only has wrestling been fan-fucking-tastic the last three or four weeks, or a couple months, rather, but this whole year... On has one just side, been, it's been fantastic. Yeah, you know, there 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 are occasional hits, uh, a lot of misses, a lot of misses, and I'm talking uh, literally misses. And yeah. we'll get we'll get to a subject that I want to talk about in that regard later. But uh, wrestling has been on fire. You know, even though one side of the equation is a bit of a laughing stock, but it produces some good stuff here and there, depending on when you fit Jim Cornette's podcast into your schedule. Uh, <laughs> But you're right, and and this is great. This is so refreshing coming from your lips and your brain. WWE is producing excellent television, and this yeah. is way before Punk uh, joined the roster. And uh, when Punk joined the roster, just it went on a different level. It's even brought out some things that I knew were inside of wrestlers that we were kind of fifty fifty yeah. on the entire time. I mean, let's 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 just jump right into it. Uh, how interesting do you find Seth Rollins nowadays for the first time since two thousand twelve? Yeah, I've been texting my sister a lot lately. My sister, Candice LeRae, that is. Uh, that uh, I haven't done that enough on the podcast recently. So, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You're, Cole's finisher, the name drop, is, uh, is yes. in full effect. But, I, yeah, I, really for me, for Seth, going all the way back to Elimination Chamber last year, like, it felt like, it felt to me like he jumped to a different level. Like, he finally found that last gear. Like, he had had some really good matches here and there sporadically. His character has always been kind of meh. But, like, I literally, because like, my sister makes fun of me. Because, like, I love my sister, but she's, like, super gotten into, like, the Bucks way of thinking. Like, she still is realistic with her wrestling. But, like, she, like kind of is in that mode with the business where she thinks that like it's a smorgasbord stuff is okay yeah Yeah. well but just like you know doing stuff and being athletic makes you a good wrestler not like telling stories and like actually you know making selling tickets and making money but anyway Mm. uh i'd been she's so she'd been like dude seth's like the most consistent guy in the entire company he's great like what are you talking about you don't like this guy i'm like i just don't buy him well, this last year, he's completely changed my entire opinion of him. Like, I buy him now. I think he's, like, I feel like he's real for the first time ever. Like, he was a Pinocchio wrestler for the last fucking 15 years, and now he's a real boy. And, like, <laughs> yeah, I believe everything he's doing with Punk, I be- like, he's he's taken his level in the ring up a notch and, and raised the intensity so it doesn't look like he's just you know, performing these great performances. It looks like he's fighting. He's his his personality and get behind. And that promo on Punk was fucking phenomenal. Like it's an all time just fucking fantastic promo. So I'm I'm in on Seth now. Yeah, and Seth is one of those guys in the modern day who's really great at blurring the lines when it needs to be that way. You yes. know, the, you know, let's it, even last year. Last year the thing he did with Cody all year was some of his best work. Um you know, it's just he's he's a much better conniving heel than he is trying to be the white meat babyface. And you know, and this is a great topic to discuss, and a good part, and a, and a big part that plays into your opinion of Seth Rollins. You're a forty year old man. 
I went to WrestleMania 31 when he was on top of his heel game. Every, almost every teenager or fucking 20-year-old in the audience had his hairdo. Just that fucking blonde streak, that singular blonde streak. The dude is over for the modern day and the kids. Uh, I can get how, you know, we are 50-50 on him because we're, we can see through uh, the characters. Be- because Eddie Guerrero and... yes. Chris Jericho and Bret Hart existed, and the like, kids nowadays <laughs> and the kids nowadays aren't educated to that. All they yeah, see is Seth that, Rollins. Yeah, yeah, and that's fair. Like, because uh, c- if you if you came up liking like, because my my nephew is a good litmus test for me. My nephew's is uh, he just turned thirty, so you know he's ten years younger than than, oh, than time a, is around stupid. around us. Exactly right. Yes, my nephew that you've known since he was like eight or 10 or 12 years old is now 30. (laughs) But like, so he started watching wrestling after the attitude era, even. So like he came up in the John Cena era, John Cena is his favorite wrestler. And he even liked John Cena when John Cena sucked. Right. Like, so like it's when you get in does have a lot to do with it. So you see a guy like Seth, like if you hadn't lived through the era where like it was real, and you've just got these guys today. Like, I understand that there's a little bit of that in there. But, like, I mean, I know people whose favorite wrestler of all time is Kane. So, like, you know, there's that. But, uh, like, I just, uh, yeah, generationally it's weird. You know, it is a little weird because the wrestling business completely changed after, like, 2004. Like, it became a completely different thing altogether. And we're going to get into this shit today um, when we start talking about our subject ECW because – my recollection of how long ECW lasted was vastly different than what happened in real life. But anyway, <laughs> bro, but I'll, I'll tell you a, a pivoting point of how low we've came with during this era. There was a point yeah. in time where the match that stole the show among a pay-per-view with everybody on it, every, every yeah. roster, SmackDown, Raw, ECW included, the match of the night was Christian versus Ezekiel Jackson for the, for the ECW right. championship. Right. And that's where we are in the ECW era. But you know, before we get there, yeah, you know, there's a there's a little bit more to touch on well, in the modern well, yeah, era. Yeah, yeah, because I wanted to tie into something too. What a part of the reason I think that for the last year or so that people are starting to get over is that Triple H is fully in charge. Uh, you can tell by Randy Orton's promos since he's just come back. Nobody's writing his fucking promos for him anymore, and he's free to be so. This is the most interesting Randy Orton has ever been because he's having fun and he's playing, and you could tell he's saying whatever pops into his freaking mind, and he's not writing, reading a scripted promo. He's not memorizing shit. His promos have been absolutely fire, and that's one of the things where people could say Randy Orton was slightly boring. Like, uh, that could be one of the critiques of Randy Orton when you're comparing him to the all-time greats, but... If he's going to do this for the next couple years and he gets gets out there and has some fire matches and like Randy Orton is going to move up that ladder and get into those like Mount Rushmore type debates that people have where I mean, because Randy's been great for 20 years and he goes all the way back to like the very end of the Attitude Era slash beginning of the, you know, PG era, whatever you want to call it. Like he's been great. LA Knight's been great. Like we're making stars for the first time ever. And part of that text conversation with my sister is like, I can't remember the last time I was genuinely excited for the Royal Rumble other than it just being the Royal Rumble. I don't know what the fuck's going to happen. And I'm genuinely excited for this. Like I want, I'm going in with a little bit of a fan in me going, what are they going to do? And I'm not going to be, it's not one of those years where I'm going to be like, obviously Cody needs to win or I'm going to be pissed. Like I'd be okay with LA Knight winning. I'd be okay with Punk winning. I'd be okay with Orton winning at this point. In, in most years you would say, oh my God, I'd be great with Walter fucking Gunther winning the Royal Rumble this year out of nowhere. There's so many guys that could win the Royal Rumble. Like, this would be a great time to do the idea we've talked about many times, having an unknown or someone that's not expected. Like I'm just saying it as an example, not saying it should happen, but like a Johnny Gargano wins the Royal rumble, someone of that ilk where nobody's expecting it at all. Or you have bring back a guy like X-Pac and have him win the Royal Rumble. Like this could be the year where anything could happen. And I'm here for it. And I'm excited because the booking has been so good. There's actually options. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's, 
it's it's insane because like every year at the Royal Rumble, there's always like three or four guys like, oh, this could happen. This time, I have no idea. This is the first time since 2020, which I feel was like the last time the Royal Rumble was perfect. When you know Drew won, and you had no idea that they were just gonna make him right then and there with the whole Brock Lesnar angle. Uh, yeah, but we, but they were leaning. Like at least the booking was leaning that way that they were trying to get Drew over. Right now, the booking is literally made. This is the first time I can't even remember if even back when, like in the nineties, it was pretty obvious who the they were leaning towards winning the Royal Rumble. Maybe like the Lex Luger Bret Hart finish. This is like the first time since then. Like, where there's really, like, who's going to win? Other than, like, the years Alberto Del Rio won, like, a couple of those where there was nobody good to win. And so we're like, I don't know, who the fuck are they going to put over? Like, this one's like, oh, my God, genuinely, all these guys could win it. Who's going to win this thing? And it's exciting. <clears throat> and plus, like, you know, just, just to play conspiracy theory wrestling fan, you know, who's to say that, <clears throat> who is to say that Roman even has to lose that long reign at WrestleMania. Who is who? Who's even to say that he's even scheduled to lose at WrestleMania? I think they're gonna correct since they're already this far. I think they're gonna ride this wave until until he beats Hogan's record, at least Hogan's record. Uh, you know. Yeah, I I feel that th- this could be a time where something happens with Cody where they take him out of the picture and give him a reason to want to be away from Roman, but still like I, depending on who wins this thing, unless like the rock comes back and wins or you can, you can have punk win and challenge Seth. That's an option since we're trying to solidify that belt. So that's there. I, I hate that, but like I'm, I'd be okay with punk winning the rumble and challenging Seth the way they've built it up. There's a reason for him to go after him instead of chasing the greatness of ending Roman's reign, you know? So yeah, yeah if, if there the is an avenue involved, I'm good with it. But like, Oh God, they've, they're really flirting with Cody getting under at this point. Mm. I really think they are. I don't know. I don't know. Don't I, do I, I something think... to heat him up again. They're going to squander it and it's going to be, it's going to be meaningless if he ever gets the belt. Yeah. I don't know. Like, cause I think, I think Cody is a great, uh, option for a heel turn down the road in a few years, but his babyface run is just too believable and too good right now. You know, right. there could be an argument made for that. If the goal is to make the world heavyweight championship, the new milestone in the company, the only way that it could possibly, uh, happen is if Roman and Seth had their unification match, or if the plan was for Punk and Seth to headline night two of WrestleMania. And that's a good story just because Seth has been on record and the storyline goes is that he's pretty much the macho man to Reigns as Hogan. He's always going to be second just because of the perception. And then Punk's story is that that as good as he was, as long as a champion as he was, he never main evented WrestleMania. So for all right. of this drama and malarkey and all of this adventure to take place just for the two the the these the hatred that these guys feel for each other is so vast that that is what takes them to the main event at WrestleMania and that is a beautiful yeah, story. Yeah, no, I yeah, and I that's what I say I'd be okay with with Punk and Seth if if Punk wins the Rumble. I'm good with that. I'm just like separate of that at some point, I think we we need to figure out when he, when Roman's gonna pass Hogan, so we can uh, like decide how long Cody can go. Like, because we've gone a whole year, Cody hasn't gone after Roman, hasn't even like done anything in that line. He had a tag title run. Like, I don't know. The Brock I, feud I think, was amazing. Yeah, the Brock feud was great. It, it so they started off well, and Cody's over. Yeah, I just feel like at a certain point, when you keep promising the people you're going to win this belt, if you don't win it, they're not going to believe in you anymore. Like, period. That's just the way it is. It that's just a fact of life. It, it once once you prove you're not great, like you know, in the eyes of even if you achieve it later on down the road, it's a consolation prize. So like. See that's why if, that's why I believe in Cody's brilliance in the WWE as long as he has yeah, good yeah. people around him cuz he's mastered the art of losing and staying strong cuz he keeps getting fucked over. 
So, right. and they've kept him away from the title. It's not like he's failed all year to win the belt. And he's on a times. and he's on a star yeah, making yeah. tour right now. You know, I know you, right. I know yeah, you're yeah. not week to week with Raw, but the Shinsuke shit is fucking awesome. Uh, oh, I, yeah, yeah. I'm Absolutely. stoked on that feud right now. So, like the fact that they have Cody make bringing guys up while right. all this story is is going on. You know, wrestling's interesting again. I like multiple people, just like the Attitude Era again. Everybody is like. Like I'm getting to that, po- I'm getting to that point where I'm being repetitive. Oh, he's my favorite. Wait, I just you just said the last guy was your favorite. I was like, I know, right, I right, can't right, stop. Right, right. And I'm nearly forty. So the point is, wrestling's amazing. And like one more thing, you know, Randy Orton's got enough left in the tank where if he gets a title again, I'm okay with it because yeah, absolutely. There's a especially story if he loses there. to Gunther. Yeah, especially if he uh, yeah. loses to either loses it to Gunther or we get a fucking Randy Orton heel turn, and you know. Cody can yeah. finish his story with Orton too, and it makes a little more Absolutely. sense than Roman. Yeah. It's just everyone wants that that Roman loss to to uh, to Cody uh, for for right. whatever reason. Right. I think they're yeah. I think we, they're hanging no, be, on yes. that. Yes, because that was the buildup. I mean, that was the whole story. It was the whole reason for Cody coming back was to finish the story, mm-hmm. and they didn't finish the story. And he's been away for a while, which is which I think if you're gonna stretch it out, they did the right thing. He didn't, you know, get three or four rematches and just get decimated and buried by Roman. No. He's only had the one shot. He should have won. They fucked him and he didn't win. So he's and they, they've done a good job of keeping him distracted with other things. Like the transition into Brock was great to get him away from Roman, give him a reason to not finish the story. But like at some point, we got to go back to it, and the longer we drag it out, the less like chance of it getting being over. Uh, still is there. So like if he's gonna beat Hogan here in the next six months or whatever, like re- you know right around SummerSlam, maybe you know he's flirting with Hogan or he's past him. That's great. If we're stretching this out until all the way to next WrestleMania, I think people are over it. Like. The, the grumblings of Roman are starting to get out there, and it's not heel heat. It's starting to be like, dude, you're not even here. You're acting like you've had this great title run. You've defended the belt eight times. Like, it's been four years. Let's, you know, at some point you need to be on the TV show. You need to be on the pay-per-views. You need to be here. Sounds like modern-day heat yeah. to me, brother. No. Nah. No, because there's a difference between go away heat and like, oh, I want to see someone beat this guy. Well, I'll let, like, you, I'll let yeah. you know when I hear the go away heat because right now it's being no, drowned yeah, it's, by audience no, no. participation and great storylines at WWE. No, no, yeah, freaking... this is just this is just the IWC bullshit, yes. and I don't care about that. But it's a growing thing. It's yeah. it's it's becoming more frequent, and it's it's more. You know, every time Roman goes out there, there's more and more tweets and social media reaction to. Fuck this guy. Gotta stay You're off that horse shit. Champion. Gotta stay no, off no, that, I agree. Gotta stay off that horse shit good, and watch the show a, instead. It's a good litmus test because, like, that's how the Yes movement started. That's uh-huh. how the John Cena suck started. That's how, you know, Roman got under in the first place. It starts out as grumblings on the IWC and then it grows. And, and those pieces of shit all came crawling back, didn't they? Every time. Well, yeah, no. Oh, now yeah, they I'm have not, John yeah. Cena's dick firmly in their mouth. <laughs> Correct, but that's because John Cena finally got good. Yeah. And that's the other problem. Once John Cena got good, it took a couple years to get out from under that bullshit. That's my point. Like mm-hmm. Roman needs to be a more full-time fixture on the roster, especially building up to WrestleMania and even through SummerSlam. And then after he does finally lose the belt, he can get his flowers, go away for a while, and then come back strong. Yeah, and and even be a babyface. If they and, keep, and if they keep the writing, yeah. if they keep the writing this good, and 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 they decide to prolong Cody's yeah. uh, triumphant win, which you know I'm still on the fence that like you know once the story's finished, it's finished. If the story keeps I, going, yeah, but I dis- I disagree because. If we get that Randy Orton heel turn, if we've got Gunther, like that's the thing. There's opponents now for Cody. Mm-hmm. It's not like it's just Cody because even Cody, we've got Punk, we've got uh, you know him and LA Knight can butt heads because they're they're the kind of baby faces that some one of them can be a little heelish. Exactly. You know? So like there's still a lot to do with Cody winning the belt because there's someone to wrestle. Whereas when Austin won the belt, you can't you can only wrestle Kane so many times. Like right. <laughs> Right, yeah, and, with with yeah. the characters and how over they are, you got like a, a, yeah. a full decade of storylines if you do it right. 
and absolutely. Uh, and I'm excited. You know, wrestling, like I said, it, it, it's hot again. And, you know, speaking uh, during a time where it wasn't hot, uh, oh. we should probably get to our subject today. We were very excited at the, the possibility of ECW making its triumphant return based on two shows in general, One Night yeah. Stand 1 and One Night Stand 2, which were top-to-bottom picture-perfect shows for the hardcore yeah. wrestling fan at the time. It was a breath of fresh air. But they defi- they decided eventually to come back to the Sci-Fi channel and yes, uh, it make, was an, on sci-fi. make an ECW show to where they uh, are basically a Sunday night heat to SmackDown and or Raw. Um, not good, but uh, this is a take it up with creative WWECW. So before we get to what we would do instead, Cole, do you have the history of this abortion? Uh, I do, and this is where I was talking about how surprising it was. And this, I'm not going to go into like matches and feuds on this because no, it's don't. like after week two, it was apparent that this was the shits, and it wasn't going to work, and it was going to be terrible. Um, but I, I will say this: One Night Stand one is perfect. It was a nice love letter to the ECW fans. Um, there were WWE talents involved, but there were people that actually had ties to ECW and you know came from ECW. 2006, great show. Don't get me wrong, but it should have been a dead giveaway of what was about to come to come because it was like 70% WWE guys, and then like they added, you know, they had Funk, they had Rob Van Dam, but even still, Rob Van Dam was a WWE guy by that point, um, and it it was very much more uh, geared towards WWE superstars with some ECW involved. And so once they once they rolled into the first show, so in we'll just give kind of a history of how we went from ECW dying getting to this happening and, and what happened. So in 2003, WWE bought all the trademarks and the video library for ECW, uh, and it released the Rise and Fall of ECW documentary. This is like their all-time greatest selling fucking DVD in the history of the company. So since it did so well, they decided 2005 to do ECW One Night Stand. Uh, and this was an absolutely just gigantic hit. It's one of the most purchased pay-per-views in WWE history. Uh, they made millions of dollars off this one show. And also, the the internet wrestling fans loved it. Like, this was universally loved across the board. And now we had, uh, you know, the clamoring for ECW was, like, in full force. And since it was so, it went over so well, Vince decided to bring it back the next year while planning to launch a third brand, ECW. And so right after WrestleMania 22, May 25th, 2006, uh, they, la- they announced the brand. They launched it. Uh, in October uh, of 2007, it got renewed. Like, I, my recollection of ECW was the first show was pretty good. Uh, the second show was terrible. It was the drizzling shit. It's one of the worst things I've ever seen. And, like, by week four, everyone was over it. And my recollection of ECW was that this thing lasted, like, maybe six months and then disappeared. It lasted till 2010. I can't believe that this shit was almost four fucking years like of this show because this is in the era where I checked out like pretty heavy and uh it was bad. Bro, I mean, we discussed really, this before really we discussed this before we hit record. Like one of the matches, like the highlight matches yeah. of this entire run was Ezekiel Jackson versus Christian for the ECW championship. And by God, that shit was ugly. Do you remember that big silver belt that they brought? Yeah. Oh, it looked like a big ugly dime. Yeah, so the original format of this ECW show, 2006, was, uh, you know, it was going to be a new thing. And it was going to be Paul Heyman's version of an updated ECW. That's what was pitched. <laughs> That's what we were promised. Uh, I even, I'm, I'm just going to say this. I even liked the Sandman caning the zombie and then the male stripper. And I, like, because it, it was symbolically an ECW guy beating the shit out of WWF bullshit. And so, like, I kind of liked the idea, uh, it, and they just, it, they did it for three weeks, and then they buried Sandman, it was over. Um, Paul Heyman quit after the first episode, so there's that. Correct. 
that killed it right away. So basically by 2007, Vince had taken this over completely. It was mostly WWE guys and some new guys that they signed and all the wrong new guys, by the way. Like Mike Knox, cute, but he's just a big fucking generic dude. Like that's really what it is. You know, Kevin Thorne was the drizzling shits. And, you know, I, I'm just, I mean, I'm glad we got to watch, look at Shelly Martinez week in and week out. That was a nice fucking added bonus. But, like, in 2006, when you're at the Hammerstein Ballroom and the main event is Batista versus Big Show for the ECW title, I think that shows you how bad this has gone. Um, and, and so it just, it basically became NXT 2.0. Um, that's, that's basically what WWE ECW was after just a few months. Sabu was gone. Like all the balls. Mahoney was gone. Sandman was gone. And it was just like the spot where they sent all the guys. They didn't have anything for on the main roster on raw and SmackDown. They said, I'll oh, just put them in ECW and fuck, fuck around with them. And, but like right from the beginning, you could tell Vince didn't believe in it because the very first thing he did was put Kurt Angle on the show because he needed drawing power or whatever. And then he put the and title so, on himself in a do-rag, and that's when he became Black Vince with the N-word drop and all that. Because that's yeah. what he thought of ECW. He thought ECW is where all the lowlifes go. And what and his version of a lowlife is... Oh, we just got dark there. Yeah. Uh, no, no. Oh, it, it, I just got dark there. <laughs> no, but at least he... At least you know, in Vince's mind, the person walking around acting like that would be a heel, you know? And so yeah. at least we could say that about Vince. He didn't think he was the baby face walking around like that. He knew he was a total shit heel that everyone would hate. So yeah. And that's yeah. why this month is, ha is properly named December to dismember. It's the worst pay-per-view that ECW ever put on. And it was named uh, by WWE. It was the WWE ECW pay-per-view December to dismember where they crowned Bobby Lashley as the ECW champion. It was supposed to be their big moment and he beats Big Show and among others in a elimination chamber match with weapons attached to the walls because that's, yeah. that, that's what you got to do with the elimination chamber to make it extreme. Put weapons on right. the walls. It's not already extreme with chambers and chains and, and this was the old chamber too. This is the unsafe <clears throat> one. Yes, uh, yes. But uh, my goodness. And, yeah, you touched on it when it became like a – you said NXT 2.0. Well, you know, negative one, really. Uh, yeah, really. Because yeah, pretty much. really this whole thing, if you're going to talk about something that came out of it, it was really just a developmental show yeah. for CM yeah. Punk. The only thing we got out of it is this is where CM Punk debuted was the ECW brand. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. So, you know, uh, in the beginning – because uh, I I wasn't going to go through four years of results and bullshit. We'll just start in the beginning. We got the debut of Punk pretty quickly. Sabu was there. Uh, you know, Terry Funk was around. They didn't put him on the show, but he was on the pay-per-view leading into it. Um, RVD, uh, Mick Foley was there. He was around. Tommy Dreamer, Balls Mahoney, Masato Tanaka, ladies and gentlemen. There's an option to use him today, so that's going to be happening. The Balls Mahoney the Kelly yeah. Kelly storyline was uh, was pretty good. Yeah, they tried to make it to where Kelly Kelly just had a crush on him for some reason. Yes, and uh, that was fun. So yeah, so at this time we got the Dudleys, we got Psychosis, Super Crazy, Rhino, Mike Knox was a big part of the thing. Unfortunately, Kevin Thorne, uh, Amish Roadkill was around. Uh, for this, which was nice. We had the FBI. They dropped Tracy Smothers, unfortunately, but, uh, you know, we can write that wrong if you feel like it. Al Snow, Stevie Richards, Just Incredible, The Sandman, Bob Holly quickly became part of ECW. Um, so, you know, yeah, there, there's a lot here. Uh, they, they added Test, Big Show, Randy Orton, Angle, Edge. They were all kind of on the early ECW shows. So we got a lot to work with. Yeah, actually. a not-so-fun you know? fact, uh, but also a fact. During this uh, ECW, WWE ECW run, uh, the match that uh, old Schmish Memoir uh, no-showed to do the thing that he did that we no longer talk about him for was uh, an ECW championship match against CM Punk at Night of Champions 07. So that, uh, you know, if we're going to talk about just black, dark plagues that, you know, cover yeah. this, uh, this promotion, this was certainly one of them. Yeah, but I just there were a lot of options and I've heard rumors about what Paul Heyman wanted to do. So I, I think I've got a pretty good start as to what I would do to kick this thing off. 
Um, like we're not going to go much past just establishing this today because I feel like this is something we can absolutely come back to later. You know, we 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 did uh, uh you know our WW our WCW invasion angle and we did four weeks of that. I feel like this could be a four or five or six week show. Um, but today we're just going to set the groundwork for it and then uh, maybe come back to it later. So do you want to kick this thing off or do you want me to go into my shenanigans? Oh, well you have shenanigans. Oh, I got it. I, you know, we'll just <laughs> save you for the main event then because, <laughs> because what I did is I have an inaugural show that I would have loved to see. And then I wrote just, a smidge of an angle that I think would be fit something eventually for this company if you're going to yeah. put them under the WWE umbrella. So, what I'm doing is this show is going to be a Wednesday night show, and it's going to take place strictly at the Hammerstein Ballroom because the fact that they just kind of tether these guys to SmackDown and or Raw as some sort of pre-recorded show where half the audience is still filing in already tells me that you think less than this company. And uh, we already know that to be true, but we're here to suspend disbelief, so you should give us the product we want to see. And this is the product we wanted to see, ECW, in the ECW arena. And how would we start on my end? Not with a fucking zombie. I would start with Paul Heyman coming out, welcoming the fans. He intros Joey Styles, and then he goes, oh, and here's the next commentator. Just kidding. Joey Styles is commentating by himself because that is ECW. I'm not watering the booth down either. So, and he announces that his plan is to have, for the next three weeks, a three-way dance to solidify the main event three-way dance at the inaugural pay-per-view under this new umbrella, Heat Wave 2006, ladies and gentlemen. And we're going to crown the new ECW champion right then and there. And you know what? I don't know who it is. It sounds like a great storyline, though. I didn't get that far. But... <laughs> already, already with a bang, we're, we're, we're cutting a promo with Paul Heyman. We're welcoming the fans. We welcome the commentator. And just to add some ECW flavor, here comes Joel Gertner. Well, well, yes. well. This is a better comeback story than the Pamela Tommy Lee video. Oh, God. And I am here to welcome everyone back to a new land of extreme and before joel can get another innuendo out we here on television on broadcast television enter sandman ladies and gentlemen that's right somebody flipped the bill and paid lars ulrich a lot of money for sandman to walk that aisle weekly and what does he do the opening night of ecw he comes out there drinks a beer, smashes it on his head, and cracks Joel Gertner in the face with a Singapore cane. And then Paul Heyman screams in the microphone, This is ACW! And we cut to commercial, and we have a show befitting of why we were there to see in the first place, what we were there to see in the first place. It's the classic roster. It's everybody that we want to see. Uh, no, no WWE guys at all. This is a completely Paul Heyman-controlled Thing. And the only thing that he has tied to WWE is that he has one spot, one spot only reserved for WrestleMania a year. That's the only ties he has for WrestleMania uh, to WWE is one WrestleMania match a year. And that is essentially, other than the, the championship for ECW, that's what everyone's fighting for, is a spot to take extreme to the grandest stage of them all. And I think, I think that is actually uh, fun stakes other than a championship. It's taking our style of wrestling to the biggest stage of them all and showing what ECW can do. And, you know, it, it could be a yearly thing that Paul Heyman is, is you know, uh, griping over. He, he wants to see a certain match at WrestleMania, uh, but other guys think they deserve that spot. It doesn't have to be for the championship. There, there's already storylines in place for guys who just want to end up on that stage doing and wrestling for ECW. So I, I think that's something that I I absolutely love the idea that they get ECW gets one match on Mania. Yeah, uh, I think that's great, and uh, I I think maybe even you know it be, we could add they get like five guaranteed spots in the Royal Rumble or mm -hmm. something like that. That'd be cool. Ooh. And so I think that's something we could definitely keep. That is really good. The, the yeah, like the the Royal Rumble aspect of it. Like, you, you earn your way yeah. into the Royal Rumble and you only get five spots or, and there's angles yeah. amongst the company. Like, well, who's going to be the five, Paul? You know? Right. Plus, 
that get, would give people the option of winning the Royal Rumble, go in jumping to ECW, or vice versa. Like you get a, you bring on a young talent who's trying to get to the like their whole gimmick is they're trying to get to the main roster and fuck Vince, fuck like or fuck Hi Heyman, fuck ECW. It's bullshit. Yeah, they want to go make real money. Like yeah, so that's a great addition. Yeah, that's and a you, good idea. And maybe you have a guy who ain't doing anything on the main roster who's you know a, an unknown. That, you know, thinks that, like, well, shit, if I go to this band of misfits and become the best thing there, I can get a spot at WrestleMania through them instead of the WWE. Uh, you know, we're, you could, we're, we're we're five minutes into this and we're already better yeah. than anything they did. Oh, exactly. And wait till you see what I rebook next, because this is the storyline that I went through, that, that I went for uh, to have, like, a big crowning achievement for, A, a person, uh, well, actually two people and a company and a championship and I'm going to say, like, you know, there's going to be multitude of angles that we can go through and rebook on the way to this. But WrestleMania 2011, Cole, that is the infamous WrestleMania 27. That is the infamous main event of The Miz versus John Cena with The Rock coming in and interviewing and all that stuff. All it was, oh was, all it was, was a WrestleMania to, WrestleMania to set up the next year's WrestleMania. That's what it yes. was. So what I'm thinking is that anything that we rebook for that WrestleMania is already better. So why not yes. use it for what we could have done for ECW? And, you know, they closed its doors in 2010. But, you know, if we booked it, it may have lasted that next year and got to this point. So what I'm considering is at some point we're going to have a heel Rob Van Dam, a big return from Bill Alfonso. He's going to be the champion. He's going to be a big old fucking dick. He's Mr. Wednesday night. He's the whole fucking show. He is an absolute shit heel. He even maybe changes his style up a bit to to say that, you know, he's not as hardcore anymore, and that's what it takes yeah. to wear this title. And, you know, that'd be a great thing for Rob, Dam Rob Van Dam because, you know, he's the good-looking guy that can kick everyone's ass, and, and you know, he, he has gold or silver in this case. You know, fuck that. We're bringing back, yeah, the, yeah, we're yeah. Bringing back the real title for my storyline. Yes. Ah, so what I'm proposing is that Tommy Dreamer is the big Daniel Bryan babyface on that roster because that's what he was. And he has the opportunity to go after Rob Van Dam, and they're on a collision course for WrestleMania. But throughout the years, since Wrestle since ECW got the WrestleMania spot, they've only been like you know match one, two. Shit, there was one year where they were the pre-show. So you know, in a typical Vince way, well, yeah, pal, ECW is on WrestleMania, but you know, I control when it goes on. So yeah, here's the storyline on top of a storyline: The Miz and John Cena. And RVD and Tommy Dreamer are going to have a beat-the-clock challenge at the pay-per-view before WrestleMania. John Cena is going to wrestle RVD. Tommy Dreamer is going to wrestle The Miz. Whoever wins their match the fastest headlines WrestleMania. And Tommy Dreamer is going to barely beat the time that John Cena beat Rob Van Dam on The Miz. And what do you know? Tommy Dreamer is going to main event a WrestleMania against Rob Van Dam. Oh. And as far-fetched as that sounds, I'm getting such butterflies and good feelings in my heart thinking of the possibilities because in my angle, Rob Van Dam still wins. And yeah. he goes he goes away, throwing the thumbs down, got the title in his hand, raising ECW gold in front of the grandest stage, on the grandest stage of the yeah, ball, yeah. in front of everybody, it's a it's it's a heat-seeking moment, but it's also a pretty cool moment because this is Paul Heyman's moment. This is ECW's moment. It's a big it's a big celebration in one way, but it's also heartbreaking for Tommy Dreamer. But as the music goes quiet, everyone kind of realizes, "Holy shit, Tommy Dreamer just main evented WrestleMania." And as he's walk <laughs> and as he's walking away defeated, everyone just gets louder and louder clapping for him, and a teary-eyed Tommy Dreamer exits the exits the stadium. A loser, but also the biggest winner of his life. The biggest winning moment of his life. <laughs> wrestling in a stadium at WrestleMania. And my God, that is way better than what we got in 2011. For sure. For sure. And that's a long buildup to get to there as well. You know, five years of buildup to finally get ECW. To. The thing is, just as we're talking through this, what it really comes down to is right from the get-go, Vince fucking saw ECW as less than never was going to book it on the same level as you know raw and smackdown and was never going to give 
Heyman the opportunity to make this the most popular brand either. Like that's just exactly like I feel, you know, I know if uh, Bruce Pritchard was here, he'd be saying shit like, oh, why would anyone ever do anything to lose money intentionally? But I feel like this was Vince intentionally burying something so the fans would shut up about it. And in spite of the fact that it was making him a shit ton of money leading into this, like this is literally Vince killing something, throwing money in the fucking dumpster because why does he need more money? Cause he's already a fucking billionaire just to prove that it was the shits. And it's awful. Like if you treated this with some reverence and respect, you could have had three brands that were on the same level. Like the ratings were like three or were like 2.3, 2.5, for ECW, which was lower than Raw and SmackDown at the time, but more than SmackDown and Raw now. Five times the rating that fucking AEW gets. Like, it's insane. Almost three million people a week were watching fucking ECW, and we, he just shit all over it and never gave it a chance. So, I, I yeah, for me, I started... You were done, right? Oh, yeah. Were, that's a, that's, how, I, that's okay. how I'm ending. Yeah, you're so <clears throat> for me I'm going to start out making it ECW centric. Uh I'm not going to have you know Edge, Angle, Orton, Big Show, you know, none of the guys that are actually uh on the on the main roster, we'll call it, that weren't really tied to ECW are going to be there. Like I'm going to move guys like Rhino and Tajiri over you know, those guys that are, like, considered ECW guys are definitely jumping ship to go with Paul. But the very first show, I'm going to open up exactly the same way you did with Paul Heyman in a fucking ring addressing the crowd. But I'm going to have Paul be here, in, not just to build something up, to, to be referential. And he wants to thank a couple of guys for making this a reality. So the first guy he brings out, or so he brings out, Terry Funk and Tommy Dreamer on the first episode of ECW to kick off the show to, to give Terry Funk the thanks for legitimizing ECW in the first place and making it what it was and taking it up to being that third option and being competition to the other guys and Tommy Dreamer for basically being the lifeblood, the heart and soul of ECW for all these years. And as this promo's going along, the music's going to hit and here comes motherfucking Raven returning to ECW, returning to WWE, put in a main event spot that he belonged in. Uh, and he's going to interrupt this promo to basically cut down Tommy Dreamer and say, you were the heart and soul. I beat you like 20 times. You beat me once. And that was it. You could only beat me one time after I beat you for five years to a bloody pulp. I'm I'm I, this I'm going to kill this thing before it even starts. I'm going to stamp out the soul of ECW. I want you, Tommy Dreamer, tonight the first show main event. You are you know are, are you talking shit. I'm, Tommy's going to be the one to call him out. I want Tommy going Raven. You know what? You're full of shit. Let's go tonight. The first ECW show in WWE. You and me tonight, boom. And Raven said, that's fine. You can even drag that corpse Terry Funk with you to be your second. I want him there to watch me embarrass you, right? So we get to the main event, and we have other matches throughout. I think that we're definitely going to have a Sandman spot where he canes the shit out of someone. I agree with you 100%. I even wrote it in my notes. We're paying for goddamn inner Sandman, motherfucker, so that we get the real deal. We get it. Because, you know, it's a billion-dollar company, and we can afford that kind of shit. So, yeah, we're getting full Sandman. We're going to reunite uh, RVD and Sabu uh, as friends on that night. Uh, and, and we're going to, you know, have a Dudley's promo. We're going to establish who's going to be here right from the get-go and to, to make sure we know that we're focusing on Raven, Tommy Dreamer, RVD, Sabu. We've got the Dudleys. We've got, like, we're going to establish what our roster is going to be right from the get-go. So we get to our main event, Raven versus Tommy Dreamer. It becomes apparent that Tommy's probably going to win this match when from the crowd, two masked men jump in the ring. This match ends in a no, you know, disqualification. It gets thrown out. 
they're jumping uh, Tommy. Terry Funk tries to get in there, and he starts bumping people around. But it's three on one at this point, so old man Terry Funk can't get it. They're going to, like, lay out Funk bad, you know, chair shots, all this. And then the, the three of them are going to stand over these two bodies. Raven takes the first mask off. It's his old friend Perry Saturn has returned to help Raven. And then he takes the mask off the third man. And it is CM Punk, ladies and gentlemen, debuting right from the get-go. We have a new flock with Raven, his old nemesis and friend Saturn, and the debuting CM Punk. And that's how we go off the air with those three faces right there. So right from the get-go, we're establishing a top heel faction. We've got a group. Raven is, you know, in the main event picture with Tommy Dreamer. So over the next few weeks with that, you know, we're going to have, we're going to, of course, we're going to take Funk out. We're going to have Mick Foley try to come to the rescue, you know, the second week so that the odds are even. But, you know, Funk and Foley are old, so we'll shoot a backstage segment, something where those two guys get taken out. And we're building up to a pay-per-view down the road, maybe two months down the road. So we've got time to put all these things together, right? Meanwhile, the next week, we're going to establish that we're going to have a real fucking kick-ass tag team division here. Uh, And we're going to establish we've got the Dudleys are here. RVD and Sabu have reunited. Maybe they're going after, you know, they're going to do some tag stuff. We've got the FBI still. Uh, and we're bringing back Tracy Smothers, God damn it, because it's for our entertainment. But we've got Tony Mameluke. We've got, you know, we got two of the best cruiser, cruiserweights around. We got Nunzio. We've got Super Crazy and Psychosis that are going to be brought over, that are going to be focused on as a tag team. Um, so week two, we're going to just have a fatal four-way. That's what we're going to do. Dudley's, FBI, Psychosis, Super Crazy, RVD, Sabu, to establish that this is going to be a crazy tag team division. And that's like half our show. That's like a 30-minute, like because we've only got an hour time slot for ECW, right? I'm pretty sure it was only an hour. Yeah, it was an which hour. I love. It's great. So that's half your show right there is a tag team division. Of course, we've got Raven, you know, a promo with Raven, whatever. Um, the other guys don't come back for a couple weeks. Like, we're going to stretch this shit out. Um, but in the next few weeks, we're going to keep this, you know, the flock versus ECW legends type thing going on. Eventually, they're going to take out Funk in Foley. They're not going to be able to wrestle. We knew that, but we're just right right now. We're they're there to help us get heat, brother. That's what we're trying to do. So when they do take those guys out, we've got uh, Tommy Dreamer in the ring by himself. He's getting surrounded by the flock. They're coming after him. Masato Tanaka is going to come to the rescue because he's a badass motherfucker and it's awesome. And I just like Masato Tanaka and I think this is a great spot for him. And so they're going to chase them away, but they're going to challenge them to a six man tag of the pay-per-view. And so, you know, right before the pay-per-view, we're getting the last couple weeks. Uh, it's three on two again. They're beating him up. We're going to get the music, the music, the Godzilla uh, theme song hits. Here comes motherfucking Samoa Joe to make his ECW debut. And now we're looking at the team of Perry Saturn, who's a total badass, Raven, who's a mastermind, manipulative, just great promo. We've got the young kid CM Punk, and they're going to be taking on Tommy Dreamer, Masato Tanaka, who's their badass, plus fucking Samoa Joe. And we know Joe and Punk don't like each other, and they've got heat, so this is something for the smart fans, right? So we're showing we're going to start to build ECW and it's going to be much like the old version where we've got our legends, we've got our hardcore guys, we've got the ECW, you know, original guys, but we're also going to pay attention to what's going on in the independents and start signing up some of these really talented guys. Yeah, cuz this we're is 2006. Have, yeah. If you're bringing Joe in yes. in 2006, this is, he already had the feud with Angle. Right, exactly. Yeah. So we're there. No, because Angle was still in, in WWE at this point in 2006. Yeah. He was on the original ECW stuff. He was, yes. Did he? So, so it depends on what. So it depends on come back. So it depends on what what part of the year of 2006 you're in. Right. So this is the beginning. Angle's still okay. with the company. Yeah. Right. Okay. So, you know, he, we're still leading there. You know, Joe's been at TNA, but they're going to swoop him up. Uh, they're also they're going to add guys like they're going to sign. Uh, Frankie Kazarian and Christopher Daniels. They're going to steal them from TNA to add them to this tag team division. They're going to sign the Briscoe brothers who are out there kicking ass to add them to this kick-ass tag team division. We're going to sign Samoa Joe or, or Kevin Steen and El Generico as another tag team slash also singles wrestlers because we're going to build up a kick-ass cruiserweight division as well because we got Tajiri, we got the FBI, we got Psychosis, 
We've got uh, Super Crazy. We're going to throw in Jay Lethal, Low Key. We're going to sign some of these fucking guys that are tremendous talents here that were on the independents and, and, and build this kick-ass cruiserweight division. We're going to have a kick-ass tag team division. We've got two brand new guys to the WWE audience who have been legends on you know the indies for a while. This would be a good time to you know throw a Brian Danielson at it. You know, we've got all these options here of guys that existed. Plus, we can add to the flock down the road if we want to bring in guys like Mike Knox and Kevin Thorne with Shelly Martinez because that's the only reason I accept Kevin Thorne is that Shelly Martinez was attached. I think that fits with the flock as well. There's just a lot of stuff we could do to build up to this. But the main thing is establishing from the get-go what this ECW is going to be. We're going to bring it to the 20th century or it's not going to be so blood and guts and, you know, all that. We're not signing the Rottens. You know, we can have Balls Mahoney School. Another thing that I would like to do from the get-go is bring Bob Holly over because I fucking love that. But then Bob Holly could be like the serious guy who's, you know, feuding with guys like Sandman and Just Incredible. And we're building Bob Holly along this. The whole goal of this is for like the first three, four, five, six months, we're building this this Raven Tommy Dreamer feud again. We're building this cruiserweight division. We're building this tag team division. Now this starts looking attractive to guys like a Kurt Angle that are on the main roster or an Edge or whoever. And eventually one of these guys is going to jump over once it's well established that this is good. And they're not going to be doing it just because they need something to do. They're going to be doing it because what Paul's doing is better than what Vince is doing. And we're going to cut these promos on Raw and SmackDown to put ECW over. And now we've got this exciting thing going on over here. You know, maybe the Hardys want to go and get extreme with Rob Van Dam and Sabu. They are Team Extreme. Again. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's that. But, you know... um, but also, so now we're, we're building Punk and Joe, and they're eventually going to be the figureheads kind of of this coming out of using the, you know, Raven as a manager more so than a wrestler, but the guy that can help get these guys over, um, you know, and we saw down the road, Punk did a great job as like that cult leader, leader type figure. So I think him and Raven go really, really well together. Um, and so I think from the start, if we do this right, we're making a third brand that's different, that's unique, but it's also, you know, it also has some star power. It has some drawing power. And then it, we make it so that guys on Raw and SmackDown want to go there. And and it's not just undercard guys we don't have anything to do with. You know, that's that was the big thing. Like, putting Kurt Angle over there was a good move, I think. Uh, it legitimized it, especially, but it's like they didn't build to Punk versus Angle. They didn't build to Punk versus Joe. You know, they didn't build to 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 Angle being the guy that's that's bringing up these guys or that they showing they can hang with Kurt Angle. They can hang with anyone. So yeah, that's pretty much where I'm at. Um, yeah, and both established a roster and what we're going to be doing in the direction. Yeah, freaking both equally amazing storylines that are way better than what actually happened if i can yeah. if i can throw out just a random sabotage take it up a creative storyline that i just came to me right now like you know what if what if vince still won the title and then and then went all do-rag and black vince and everything like that but then like all of a sudden the music hits and it's new jack <laughs> yes. but here's the here's the thing though new jack comes out in a suit yeah and comes out and cuts the Lance Storm promo of the ages and just oh like completely whitewashed Clayton Bigsby type of character where he actually hates extreme championship wrestling, uh, wow. but like he works there, but he innuendos it like yeah, he's a racist. <laughs> like, like he like cuts like genius promos to where like he as a whitewashed like yeah, yeah. corporate guy is fighting a crazy senile thinks he's black champion. Yes, the yeah, the the uh, <laughs> as I'm explaining the, the sabotage storyline, I want to watch it so bad. Yes, full you know the full on as as people would say, Uncle Tom, uh, you know, side for New Jack after all the years of, of what he did. That's, oh, 
That's he terrible. he comes out to like Frank Sinatra music and it continues yes. playing the entire match. He wrestles in a single. I did it my way. Yeah. He, he comes out. He comes out. He wrestles in a singlet boots. Uh, he's got he's got Pat Patterson singing. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Like it's all sports entertainment. New Jack. And oh, he yeah. just calls himself the new Jack, and because yes. <laughs> he is. Oh my gosh! Yeah, and, uh, and you know it's funny in our original storylines he was nowhere to be found. So I'm glad we talked about New Jack a bit today. Right. Uh, I, you know, I, he's one of those guys that just as I'm getting older and the more I find out about New Jack, the more of his, more of him talking really that I find in the ethers, the more I love the dude. And so absolutely, I would love to have New Jack. I don't think even by 2006, it would have been a possibility. I don't know when the stabbings and the, uh, you know, other such things that he did happened. But uh, uh, yeah, if he was, if he was, if his image was clean, so to speak, still in 2006, I absolutely would have had New Jack. I mean, you know, for me, Two Cold Scorpio always comes to mind as someone that that could have gotten a big push out of this would have been great. Like I just yeah, for me that that's that's where that's it. I just want to establish this thing as something different, unique and great. Establish who the top stars are right off the bat and build all of the divisions uh into something meaningful. So I yeah. think that's good. We could get more into detail if we want to come back to this later as to, you know, exactly who we'd push, where we'd want to go and, you know, who's going to be the long term champions, all that stuff. But and it's funny, like, you know, as I think about ECW or WWE ECW, like, you know, I never thought it was something that could last even to today. You know, it, it, it wasn't like it wasn't like we should have thought that this brand is back forever. Right. Like, I just thought maybe it would be like a television show where we got like five epic seasons out of it. And and then it ended or transitioned to something because when you kind of touched yeah. on when you kind of touched on this being NXT 2.0, I actually wouldn't have mind instead of NXT being like an American Idol thing at first. What if the evolution was just as ECW was growing with all this indie talent, there was a hostile takeover because they were the next evolution yeah, of ex- yeah. they were the next evolution of extreme. They they can have a little mini faction called themselves Next Stream, and then a Survivor Series yeah. match where the the brands fight for show supremacy, and that's how NXT is born. And we can go right. from there. Right. Yeah. See, now I I for me I thought when ECW happened. If they really were going to let Paul Heyman do his thing and leave him alone, that not only could ECW have been a long-term thing and still around to this day, it could have been better than what Raw and SmackDown was, um, and we could have pushed Vince out way sooner. (laughs) I mean, I know that wasn't realistically going to happen until he sold the company, and he sold the company, and they've pushed him out. So, like, Well, if my sabotage storyline would have happened, I'm pretty sure (laughs) Vince would have accidentally potatoed New Jack, and he would have got stabbed. Yeah, Vince would have been a dead man long, long ago. Uh, (laughs) So, oh. Oh, this definitely was a December to dismember call. You know, we usually yeah. talk year end stuff, but you know, we 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 saved the most extreme month of the year for the end of the year. We uh, shined a big old spotlight on ECW, and it's it's a time of my life that uh, I really enjoyed. Like I said, wrestling kind of grew up with me, and this was during the adolescence period, the adolescence era. That's where all the attitude came, and that's where all the shenanigans as a stupid, douchey teenager came. And I'm glad we got to talk about it during those giving time of the year. Absolutely. It's a lot of fun. I love doing these. Uh, you know, it, it's fun to do like a year in review. We could still do that. And that's what we're doing next week, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. We're going to talk about the top 10 moments of 2023. We're going to start the new year talking about the year before. How about that? That's 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 a subject to talk about. But no, you're right, Cole. We, we, we spent this month talking about ECW, and we booked all the shows for ECW for December. Just because it's, it's 2024 it doesn't mean we can't talk about the greatest parts of 2023. And we touched Absolutely. on a little bit in our preamble today, but we're actually going to give our top 10 best moments this year. And this is going to be harder than usual because, like I said at the top of this hour, this was probably one of the best years 
uh, wrestling-wise, bell-to-bell and storylines since 2002, I'm going to comfortably say, just as a personal fan, my personal opinion. Uh, I'm approaching 40 years old, and I'm <clears throat> and I'm as nerdy about wrestling as I've ever been. Uh, oh, yeah, because it's good. It's It's good. It's amazing when it's good. Well... Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for spending another year with us here on the Creative Team Podcast. Uh, Happy holidays, whatever you're celebrating or choosing not to celebrate. I hope you're spending time with your family uh, regardless. Uh, And we'll be talking to you after uh, Christmas again. And join us next year. 2024 is here, ladies and gentlemen. We're planning on doing another whole year with you. So thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. And for Ron Kilborn. I am your host, Cole Dawson, saying thank you, we love you, and good night. Thanks for listening. Find us on Instagram and Twitter at Creative Team Pod, or just the Creative Team on Facebook. Follow Cole Dawson on Twitter and Instagram at Cole2130, and follow yours truly at Ron underscore Kilborn. We'll see you next week on another episode of The Creative Team!